<笑>鬼岛之音 ，Ghost Island Media。Hey Emily Y Wu here. I produce this show and a couple of others at Ghost Island Media. We hope you're safe and well wherever you are. One quick announcement: We have just launched a newsletter. It's called Waste Not a Newsletter. It's written every week by Nature Nate and Yu Chen Lai, our production assistant, who's been with us for at least half a year now. Check it out. It's wastenotwhynot.substack.com. You can also find the direct link in the show notes. And here's Nature Nate. Exciting news, everyone! For our next episode, I'm going to be talking with one of my personal heroes, Jane Lubchenco, Doctor Jane Lubchenco, the Honorable Doctor Jane Lubchenco. If you haven't heard of her, that's okay. This episode is for you. If you have heard of her, this episode is still for you, as are all of our episodes. Today, I'm going to tell you about Doctor Jane, the ocean goddess, and her work with NOAA, which is the United States National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association. Say that five times fast. Basically, Jane was the head of NOAA in the U.S. I feel like I have to add the U.S. part as we have so many international listeners now. It's gonna be a very U.S.-centric episode, so sorry, y'all. But what is NOAA? Do you know about NOAA? If NOAA, you shoulda. Hi, I'm Nature Nate, and this is Waste Not Why Not, a podcast on how not to save the environment. I'm an environmental researcher based in Taiwan, working on ocean waste and energy issues. And today we focus on the ocean, our ocean. So NOAA, the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, something I'm never going to say again. I'm just going to call it NOAA, is an agency under the Department of Commerce in the United States government, which is quite weird, and we'll talk about that later. But don't pay too much attention to the structure. What's important is what it does. It is basically the Ocean Department. It's the Ocean Agency of the United States government. And I'm not saying this just because I'm an American and everything America does is important. That's not true. An ocean department that belongs to the U.S. has an enormous impact globally. The U.S. has the third largest ocean territory in the world. The first is France. So, what does it do? I've been saying it's the ocean department, but it's a lot more than just that. So, do you guys remember the weather? I know that with social distancing and quarantines and shelter in place, you might not be going outside very much. But there was this thing called the weather, and we had to check the weather so we knew what to wear outside. The way we know what the weather is is because there's an agency, NOAA, that monitors the weather using satellites, using weather monitoring stations. That's where the Weather Channel, that's where all these weather apps get their data. At least in the U.S., is from NOAA. They NOAA the weather. <laughs> NOAA lets you NOAA if a storm is coming, and they let you NOAA if the weather is going to be nice. So you can NOAA whether or not you can go to the beach. Basically, 
in the simplest possible terms, NOAA monitors the ocean, NOAA monitors the weather, and then they take that ocean weather data and use that to make an analysis, to make predictions about what's to come, whether that's a hurricane or a tornado or just really, really gnarly surf, dude. Then they recommend policies and sometimes the government listens and sometimes the public listens and they also do research and that's, you know, theoretical because uh, lately, uh, we'll get to this later, but Noah's not doing so great right now. So we just boiled this down and made it really simple. Noah has actually explains on their website in very strange bureaucratic language what they do legally. So if you want to know what they really, really do, go to their website. But basically, they're trying to make sure that the ocean doesn't kill us and that we don't kill the ocean. Ocean Weather Protect Fish Department. So a little bit of history. I know who cares about the past, but for NOAA, it's interesting because NOAA was actually formed out of four different agencies. The first one was founded in 1807, and that was the United States Coast and Geodetic Survey. It's from 1807, so I don't think people use that word anymore. Maybe they do. Back in the old days, we didn't actually know what the U.S. coastline looked like. We had to send people out and go measure it and figure out, you know, what shape is this beach? Is this beach going to flood? Where are the good fish at? That was kind of Noah's purpose. And for a long time, there were all these distinct agencies. And then in 1970, under Nixon's administration, now keep in mind, this is the same time as the Vietnam War. This is the same time as Nixon is, I think he's about to be impeached soon for Watergate. And Nixon is also creating the Environmental Protection Agency. They're passing the Clean Water Act. They're passing the Clean Air Act. And also at the same time, Nixon is bringing together these different agencies into one Frankenstein agency to basically take the weather agency, the fisheries agency, and the coastal survey agency and put them into one thing called NOAA, which makes a lot of sense. What doesn't make a lot of sense is where NOAA ended up. NOAA was originally going to go under the Department of the Interior, but because the head of the Department of Interior hated the Vietnam War and hated Nixon, Nixon got revenge by putting NOAA inside of the Department of Commerce. And uh, the Department of Commerce is responsible for things like international trade, patent law, and also managing our weather service. So it doesn't quite fit in, but I guess everybody's just going with it now. So NOAA, the EPA, the Endangered Species Act, all the good, bold environmental policies that the U.S. created was under a Republican president who was impeached, who was locked inside of forever wars. So there's hope, guys. For some more context, it's not just NOAA, truthfully. The U.S. has about 20 federal agencies and more than 140 federal ocean laws managing the ocean. So NOAA is, is, is one department, and it's a very important one, but it's not the only one. You have the Environmental Protection Agency, you have U.S. Fish and Wildlife, you have the United States Geological Survey, you have a lot of different people doing stuff related to the ocean. But NOAA is, is one of the most important ones, if not the most important one. Anyway, moving on, let's, let's move into the future. So now that you know a bit about history of the agency, what makes the head of it so special? Why is Dr. Jane so special and why are we talking about her? Well, for one reason, she was basically the first female head of the agency, which is a big deal in terms of gender equality. The other really important reason is that she was the first marine ecologist to head NOAA. 
Dr. Jane was famous as a marine ecologist in her own right when she joined Obama's science team and became the administrator of NOAA from 2009 to 2013. She was alongside other people like Lisa Jackson, who headed the EPA. She's now head of sustainability at Apple. Stephen Chu, who is a Nobel physicist, and he was head of Department of Energy. Now, you probably don't really think about Noah that much. We don't see Noah in movies. You know, Noah wasn't in Jaws. Noah wasn't in Independence Day. There's no N-Files. You know, there should be. That sounds really cool. They get left out. And in some ways, that's kind of a sign that she did a good job, right? Because we tend to remember the politicians and the government agents that do a very bad job. But while she was in charge of Noah, the ocean was probably the most important it's ever been for U.S. history. During her four years while she was in charge of NOAA, the U.S. experienced some of its largest storms. It experienced the largest oil spill in the world, and the U.S. upgraded its entire weather satellite fleet. This isn't something that you commonly think about, but she did an amazing amount of work in just four years inside of a budget-strapped agency. More about this later. So NOAA is a weird agency, right? It's like a sausage agency or a Frankenstein agency made up of all these different parts and it's in the wrong section. You know, it's sort of like going to a Mexican restaurant and eating a ham sandwich. I mean, you can do it, but it, maybe it's not normal, although I really like tortas. Now, the, the weirdest thing is the juxtaposition between NOAA's placement and what it's responsible for. Now, by some conservative estimates, the ocean and coastal states in the U.S. make up one-third of GDP. And we know that globally, the ocean provides $1.4 trillion in economic benefits. Think about corals. Think about coastal tourism. Think about coastal restaurants. Think about trade, oil and gas, which we don't like, but it is a part of the ocean economy. Think about all these major issues. Think about the U.S. Navy, the U.S.'s ocean supremacy. And guess how much budget we set aside for NOAA? In 2020, NOAA's budget was $5 billion. That might sound like a lot to you and me, but that's a decrease of $900 million from 2019. Let's compare it to another agency, which is very famous and that everybody likes, NASA. NASA has a budget in 2020 of $22 billion, and that represents a half of 1% of the U.S.'s entire budget. So the U.S. sets aside less than a quarter of 1.5% of its budget for an agency that manages one-third of U.S. GDP. I mean, not manages. The U.S., they don't give NOAA money. <laughs> NOAA money for NOAA. <laughs> when comparing to NASA, I'm not saying that we should cut NASA's budget and give it over to NOAA. We should increase NOAA's budget to match NASA's. Or we should increase both of their budgets. We should support science and exploration. Maybe we want to take some of that money away from uh, the military. Maybe we want to take it away from oil and gas subsidies. I don't know. I'm just a podcaster and a researcher. I'm qualified to say this. This is not just a U.S. problem. This is a problem across countries. Very few countries really invest the money that's necessary into ocean and coastal conservation. One timely thing to mention is climate negotiations because they were just postponed. Climate negotiations historically had not really emphasized the importance of the ocean. During COP21, the first COP that I attended, there was a very large ocean section, probably because France has the largest ocean territory in the world. But still, that took 
20 cops to talk about the role that the ocean plays for climate. But we know that since the 1970s, the ocean has absorbed more than 90% of the excess heat from global warming. So I feel like we should have brought it up earlier than uh, 20 years into the negotiation process. All this is to say is that globally, we ignore the ocean. And that in the U.S., it's particularly bad because we have an underfunded Frankenstein confusing agency with a tiny budget relative to the thing that they're managing. And then combined with that, the ocean is absolutely critical to all life on Earth. What could go wrong? And oh, do things go wrong? <laughs> Maybe you don't have this on your calendar like I do, but... Happy 10-year spilliversary, British Petroleum. We will never forget your criminal negligence. That's right. 10 years ago, the largest oil spill in history occurred. And this also happened during Dr. Jane's tenure. I don't want to just go into the BP oil spill right now. I just want to highlight that this was one of the most significant oil spills in the world. And this was just one of the many things that Dr. Jane dealt with. During Jane's time, Noah saw the largest oil spill in global history, the Deepwater Horizon spill. You had some of the strongest superstorms that the U.S. ever saw, including Superstorm Sandy that drowned Manhattan. And also during this time, I have to sing this part, sorry. <clears throat> Noah predicted 770 tornadoes, 70 hurricanes and tropical storms, six floods, three tsunamis, and a partridge in a pear tree. And also a growing consensus for the need for marine protected areas as a result of collapsing fish stocks. And during this time, she also fought for NOAA's budget to be maintained and she fought to have funding to upgrade the entire U.S. weather satellite fleet while Republicans in Congress were blocking the U.S. budget and there were government shutdowns. During this time, I was doing volunteer research for NOAA's Marine Sanctuaries program, and I would get a call from my supervisor, and he would say, Nate, uh, don't come in today. We're shut down. So without getting super detailed into these subjects, which could be entire podcasts by their own right, just imagine today, what if a BP oil spill, even a small mega oil spill, happened under Trump, which could also totally happen and is in fact very likely to happen. Imagine what an agency would do with a shrinking budget, with complete opposition from the federal government managing the largest oil spill in U.S. history. Imagine if that had happened today. Imagine if Superstorm Sandy happened today and we had an underfunded NOAA that's been basically neglected by the rest of the government. Yeah, I don't think it'd be good times. And I think it's also uh, probably a good time right now to bring up the fact that uh, NOAA hasn't actually had a real administrator since Trump came into office. That's right. NOAA has not had a Jane Lubchenco since 2017. They've had interim administrators who are the de facto leads and they basically make sure that the lights stay on and things happen and research happens and stuff like that. But the person that Trump nominated was the CEO of AccuWeather, backed out and was not able to you know, fulfill his role because of, quote, health concerns, health reasons. And when a superstorm did come to the US, you might have remembered the news about Sharpiegate, how Donald Trump said that the storm was going to hit Alabama and then Noah said it wasn't and then there was this back and forth and then there was a Sharpie drawn on the map and there was a lot of confusion. Yeah, that happened because there's no one at the wheel right now, competent government official who cares about science, who cares about the social contract between science and advocacy and public policy. So that was a preamble to let you know what Noah is and how amazing Dr. Jane is and, and why her work really matters and how 
you know, in many ways, the U.S. has, has fallen quite far from where that was <laughs> when I was in my master's program and uh, when we had scientists running things. So now you know, uh, stay tuned for next week with my conversation with Dr. Jane, where we're going to go over everything we talked about and we're going to talk about a lot more. She's really an amazing speaker, and I think you guys are going to really like our next episode. In the meanwhile, um, stay safe, stay indoors, unless you're free to go outside like I am, but I wear a mask because masks work. I'm Nature Nate. This has been Waste Not, Why Not? If you listen this far, you're probably a nerd like I am, and I want to let you know that we also have a newsletter. Go to uh, Substack, wastenotwhynot.substack.com. Sign up. If you don't normally stay around for the credits, you might miss, but uh, there's this guy, Yu Chun Lai, who's helping out on the show. He's sitting here as we record now. You might hear his giggles in the background. Yu Chen's been great. He's managing our Twitter, and he's also helping us write these episodes. So I wanted to introduce Yu Chen as another sort of audio character for you guys, in addition to Emily Y. Wu and myself, Nature Nate. Join the newsletter. Yu Chen and I write it. We have memes. Yu Chen makes the memes. I'm Nature Nate, and this has been the Waste Not, Why Not podcast. We recorded this today at MyCoin, a Bitcoin exchange in Taipei, Taiwan. Do you have a question for us? Email your voice recording. You could just send us an email, actually. You don't have to send your voice. But email us at ask at wastenotwhynot.com. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Become a monthly supporter on Patreon. We are Waste Not, Why Not on Patreon and Waste Not Pod on Twitter and Waste Not, Why Not on Substack. That's where you can get our newsletter. This has been a Ghost Island Media production based in the Republic of Taiwan. This episode was produced by Emily Y. Wu and myself. Our production assistant is Yu Chen Lai, and he also helped to tweet this show. Brand designed by Thomas Lee. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.